You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Happy Thursday, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today with us, we have Diego Corzo. Diego is the Forbes-featured millennial entrepreneur. He also is a TEDx speaker, and he's a realtor, an investor, and a house hacker. And he gets to talk about all that today. Uh, we do talk a little bit more on the house hacking side of things and some obstacles Diego has also had to overcome, being that he was not originally a U.S. citizen. So I hope you guys enjoy the show today. If you are enjoying the show, please take a few minutes out of your day to go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. Hey guys, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. My name is Dante Belmonte. Today with us, we have Diego Corzo. Diego, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, for sure. Thank you very much for having me. So I am a realtor in Austin, Texas. I am 29 years old. I work full-time as a realtor and I'm a part-time real estate investor. Awesome. So Diego, I know you got the Forbes featured millionaire, or excuse me, millennial entrepreneur award. What is that? Tell us a little bit about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So basically, so I got, I was featured in Forbes. Uh, This was back in 20, I believe it was 2017, 2018. Um, What happened was, so I am a DACA recipient. So that's a little bit about me too. Um, Nice. I am. uh, So I came to the United States when I was nine years old. Uh, My, my parents, we, we came here from Peru and, uh, and that story um, basically what, what happened was the, in 2012, Obama put in the DACA program, then the current administration tried to remove it. And, uh, and that's when I shared my story publicly on Facebook, um, sharing a picture of the taxes that I paid in 2016 of over $28,000 as a 26 year old. So showing that, Hey, I am a dreamer. I am a DACA recipient, which basically means that I came here as a kid with a visa and then my parents and I, uh, we overstayed our visa. So I became undocumented. Mm. And um, yeah, so it wasn't until Obama put the program in place that allowed me to finally work and drive. But then when the current administration was trying to take it away, um, that's when I shared my story publicly on Facebook, like something I've never done before. And that went viral. And in that going viral, because I showed a picture of my taxes and me being an asset to this country and uh, paying taxes and also owning properties by age 26, becoming a little bit of uh, financially independent, how if I could do it as an immigrant, anybody can do it if they're American. So um, I shared that story and it got picked up by, by Forbes as a real estate entrepreneur and, uh, and it went from there. So it's been- awesome. uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs through the real estate journey as a dreamer, but it's been totally worth it. Yeah, no, congratulations on that. That's awesome. I mean, I remember listening to you when you were on Bigger Pockets, and I, you know, I really enjoyed your episode. And then I had uh, Felipe on the episode or on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he's like, you know, who you should really get on here. And he said your name, and I was like, I know exactly who that is. You know, I was listening to him, you know, not too long ago actually. So that's how we made the connection, which is awesome. So for your you said you're an agent full-time, you're a part-time investor. 
Um, obviously, we're really going to touch on the investing side of things. Um, For what sure. What style investing do you personally do? Yes. Yeah, so I am. Um, I do a little bit. I am a long distance investor. I am a house hacking investor. Um, and then also I do a little bit of Airbnbs. Um, and I can share a bit on whatever way you want to take it. Okay. So let's touch on the one you do the least amount and we'll move forward to the one that you specialize in the most. Cool. Um, so the least one is, uh, Airbnb. I am a, so I am, I have a partner. We, we, we invest in, in the Smoky Mountains area in Tennessee and uh, he takes care of all the management. We, we are investing in like one bedroom cabins, two, two bedroom cabins and apartments in the Smokies for, um, let's see, right now we have like six or eight doors. Okay. And with that, because I'm, I'm, um, he charges a management fee. We are like 50-50 partners on the company, but right. um, he takes care of all the managing. And then I am more of the um, like, like if passive. we need 20% down, I'll, I'll give him the money. Then he pays me back later. So I'm more on the okay. passive side, which is okay. pretty cool. Um, because on my active sides and, uh, that, that's where, that's where it takes, um, some more of my time, but this way I get to diversify my portfolio a little nice. bit. Um, the other things, my other properties are in Florida in Jacksonville and around the Sarasota area where my brother is a wholesaler over there. Um, so that's where I own right now. I currently own a quadplex and a duplex in nice. Jacksonville, but at some point I own a few other properties there too. I just, uh, I sold them. Um, they were in a C minus area and I learned that, um, I learned that the numbers look great on paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the first year, it, it, it went very well, I have to admit. I mean, like we were cash flowing right, performed really very well. well. But after those tenants moved out, we had problems with some evictions and all this other stuff. So we decided to just sell the properties instead. And fortunately, properties that we bought for like 25000 less than $30,000, we were able to sell them for close to fifty or fifty-five. So okay. we got a pretty good return. Um, so, but... I, I would say that if we were to buy them now, like I wouldn't be buying C minus area, like in, right. in C minus areas. Um, we just got very lucky, I guess, from, from that perspective, buying in 2015, 2016, and just leveraging that appreciation of a lot of other investors going into Jacksonville. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, like you said, the C minus neighborhood on paper, the numbers look great. And that's correct because you're taking more risk because of the neighborhood you're in. So versus mm -hmm. a higher class area. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people listening should pay attention to is just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean you're going to have a record year or phenomenal time with that property just because it looks good on paper. You're, it looks good on paper because it's more risk. Anything with exactly. more risk, you're going to have more reward with versus uh, less risk, less reward. So, okay. So we, we did Airbnb. We did uh, your just long distance investing. What else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then right now, well, where, how I started um, and where I have a few prop, a few of my properties is by doing the house hacking strategy. Mm. And by, I bought my first house hacking home when I was 24 years old. The good part about house hacking, right? That's when you buy a single family home 
and you rent out the roommates. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you, you rent out the rooms to, to some roommates or you can buy a duplex, triplex or quadplex and you rent out um, the sites while you live in one of them. The right. benefit of that is that you can uh, buy a home with low money down so you mm -hmm. can get an FHA loan and buy a multifamily with three and a half percent or you can get a single family home and uh, get it with an FHA or 3% conventional loan, USDA or VA loans, plus any grants or anything like that. So it definitely right. uh, allows people to get started in the real estate game with low money down. Okay. And, and, and for those that don't quite understand or wondering what house hacking is, Diego really just broke it down for us. But let's say you get a four bedroom single family home, you live in one bedroom, you rent out the other three bedrooms that are going to pay the mortgage and possibly you're going to pocket some. Or where he was exactly. saying with the multifamily, one, two or three, or excuse me, two, three or four unit, you live in one unit, rent out the remainders to pay the mortgage and possibly even have some uh, positive you know, income each month on that property or you can supercharge the house hacking, rent out all the other units, plus all the other bedrooms in your unit, and then you're really making out pretty well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's like maximizing it. But that's, that's basically how I got started in the beginning. I used to be a software developer. So um, I, had, I was making 60K a year, and um, I decided like, because, so I used to live in Florida, and then after I graduated college, I was able to get a job um, as a software developer at GM. And I saw that there were like Austin was growing. This is back in 2013. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw Austin growing and I was like, man, I have to get in, I have to get into real estate. So that's when I got my license. I read rich that poor dad. But what happened was I realized that now the house hacking strategy or renting out by the rooms, that's sort of my unfair advantage because I'm willing to do the extra work to be able to um, make the numbers work here in Austin, Texas, because Austin's market has been growing up, like, appreciated has very been high. growing up with appreciation. So I rented out the rooms. I and this is back in 2014. I bought my first prop, my first house hack for 170, putting five percent down. My mortgage at that time was around 1350, and I rented out each room for 550, and uh, which gave a total of the gross like 1650. Minus some expenses and stuff, I had uh, I had some cash flow, and that cash flow paid for my car. So what's been good since 24 years old is I've been living for free and had my car payment paid by other people. So yeah, using those that's assets the power to pay for your expenses. Yeah. yeah, and I think house hacking, especially I believe it's Craig who wrote the book on house hacking. Um, yeah, it it's definitely something that's become very popular because a lot of people are looking to do that. And I know, I believe you said you work with a lot of clientele that you look for properties for them to house hacks, especially. So I'll, I'll let you get into that more, but you please take it right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, um, yeah, that, that, uh, house hacking book by, by, uh, I think it's Craig Kurilop. I think that's his yep. last name. Um, yeah, he is, he's, He's awesome at the house hacking. And yeah, and here in Austin, I've been, I've helped a, a few people, like probably like 10 or 15 house hack. Uh, right now I have a few under contract too um, of, of clients that are house hacking all over Austin. But at the end of the day is just making sure that, that uh, I always say the best house hack for a single family home, it's a four bedroom, two story with at least two and a half bathrooms. 
that's okay. that's what I have found that it's become the best um the best um experience for, for, for all of the roommates right so that one if one of the roommates is showering then they can use a bathroom downstairs and go from there okay so you think a, a four bedroom two and a half bath minimum would be the best because it lets people kind of uh separate you have two showers three bathrooms so that makes sense okay so that's something people should take note of if they're looking to do the house hack in a single family unit yeah and what's good about that too is that after you live there for a year or 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 two or more but you have to live there for at least a year because you're buying it with an owner occupant loan right what you can do is you can what i did is i put somebody in the master paying me $700, right? And then from there, I bought another property where I moved in with another low money down payment loan home. Right. And then from there, I was making, I was cash flowing like a thousand bucks from one property. And then I bought my next one with low money down and continue house hacking that way. And that allowed me to continue buy more properties with um with low money down and it gave me a lot of uh, a lot of great um um some really good experience okay so you said you did it a few times where you did the house hacking after one year you'd go to the next property and the next so forth yeah now that first property was an fha loan i'm assuming or was it, it like a no. low so with daca i couldn't qualify for any i had to go through a lot of obstacles to be able Ugh, to yeah. get to where i am um, because the lenders in the beginning, this is back in 2014, no lender knew what DACA was, what having a C33 on your work employment, work authorization was. So I was literally educating lenders. I'm like, why can I get a home? So um, that's why I began to partner up with people, right? And that's why I'm like, one of the things that being a DACA recipient or, or, or a dreamer, one of the things that it has taught me is that they, you, you have to get resourceful. You have right. to get resourceful. So like no matter what obstacle, um, there's always a way you can partner up with people. Like my first two properties prior to house hacking, uh, because that's when I was able to qualify finally on my own, were with partners. Okay. And it was me educating them, uh, me being more of like the hands-on expert and, um, and going from there. So, okay. So with these, these loans that you started when you were able to qualify yourself for house hacking, what type of loans were they? They were, they were they all owner occupants? They were for, for the house hacking side, they were 5% down payment loans. Okay. So the, the lenders, the banks allowed you to have multiple 5% loans after that one year mark? Yes, they do. You can have, I think up to four. Um, for example, right. I, in the past I have sold and bought a few, Right mm-hmm. now, I currently, as we speak, I have two properties where I'm renting them out by the rooms and I'm under contract um, to buy another one. Okay. And with these properties, are they essentially you know, turnkey? Are you going in and actually doing some work to them? Or, or what, what does it look like, the deal, when you go into it? Yeah. So for me, this is like a personal decision, personal choice. I am not very handy at all. So I, I like my properties to be either remodel or brand new. I buy from the builder and I negotiate the builder to pay for my closing costs. So, um, so that's the good part about it, but it also allows me to get good roommates from day one rather than spending a month or two trying to, um, trying to renovate the property and right, all right. this other stuff. 
Um, also, I'm not handy and I don't like that process. So I do that. There's other people that do the house hacking where they buy a home that does need floors and new paint and probably new roof. And then they do that. Then they refinance and all of that. Right, I, the burn method, so to speak. Yeah, the burn method. Um, I just don't want to do that. I'm like, hey, this is for me is more trying to put the tenant there and going. Yeah, it's just not your style of investing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're buying these homes for their new construction, really? So you're buying them directly from the builder once they're built? Um, the, the, my last one and my next one, yes. Okay, wow. So those are, those are some nice fresh homes right on the, you got right in the get-go. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's like the long-term goal look like for you? Is there a certain number of properties looking to hit or um, a certain way you want your portfolio to look like? For, so right now, uh, well, what I think I'm going in, in the future is definitely, I'm going to get into some syndications right now. I'm a hard money loan. I'm a hard money lender on, uh, on two loans right now. Um, so I'm diversifying once, once I sold the, my, a couple of homes in Jacksonville, um, I am on a flip, uh, doing a flip as a hard money lender in Florida in the okay, so more of a passive area. approach. Yeah, yeah, more. I'm gonna go more syndication, more more passive, um, and see what happens. I'm just at that point where, as a realtor and all this other stuff, I'm just doing a lot, um, and um, it it just allows me to continue to just do 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 what I love and make my money do the work. Okay. That's awesome. Now yeah. for being that you're a real estate agent and you're an investor yourself, do you work with a lot of real estate investors as an agent or do you work really primarily with, uh, you know, um, residential properties, owner occupant properties or owner occupant, uh, purchasers? Yeah, I would say is both. Um, I would say most it's interesting cause, so I'll give you an example. Um, this month in February I've closed, I think I'm, I have seven closings. Um, and three, I believe three are rentals and four are owner occupants. Okay. Right? So it's so a mix really. It's, it's a mix. I wouldn't say it's 50, 50, but it's mostly, mostly first time home buyers and then investors just because right. as my name has gone out there, I'm helping some people from California buy homes here because we have like the benefit of Austin is like there's Apple and Oracle and all these companies. So I've been helping a lot of people that reach out to me because they know that I'm an, I always tell people you have to work with an investor friendly realtor. And, um, so I get calls from some people in California. They're like, Hey, I just sold my house in Palo Alto. I have like 1.2 million to spend. And then <laughs> they can get three of those homes here in Austin. And then they're cash yeah. flowing a lot more. Yeah. So I'm also a real estate agent here in central New York. So I work with a lot of investors as well as I do owner occupants, first time home buyers. Cause that's just, it's really how it, how it happens. You don't, yeah. I mean, unless you're in commercial, you're not really working with just investors. It's a mix of both. Um, but it, it is funny just to see, and it's not a 50% mix. I'd say I, I do more owner occupants than I yeah, do same here. Um, yeah. investors. Cause again, that's more the commercial side. So yeah. when, when you're looking at a deal for yourself, whether that's a multifamily or a single family, how are you going about analyzing that deal? What are you looking for? Um, are there certain areas you like within your city? How does that all yeah. work? I mean, within Austin, I know like I, I just have my parameters and they, they've been going up as, uh, as Austin has appreciated, like back right. in the day. And, and it's crazy because now I wish that I would have bought more homes um, when prices were like under 225 or 200 
Right. Um, in the beginning, I was like, man, I will never buy that. And now I'm buying, I, I bought my one house hack for 287 and I have another one now for 275, wow. right? Um, so now my parameters are under 300 or under 325. Um, the, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what's been helping too is the interest rates. Because yeah, they're very low at the moment. They're they're very low. So I've been getting like I just refinanced one of my properties at three point three interest rate, and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's um, almost like free money. It feels like <laughs> it's yeah, so low exactly. compared to exactly. So so I'm getting that. And what's crazy is when I was buying an investment property in 2015, interest rates were like five point five as an investor, and I'm closing on two homes this week. Actually, as we're as we're talking, um, I'm closing on two homes this week. One is for 4.5 and the other one's 4.6 interest rate as an investor. Yeah, so, it's pretty good. It's like, pretty low rates right now. I just locked yeah. in a 4.5 myself on one of my properties and yeah. that was a commercial loan. So yeah. the, the rates are really aggressive right now. Um, yeah. When you are going to purchase a home, how are you analyzing it roughly? So yes, that was a question. <laughs> That's okay. No, we, yeah. we get talking, we go off track. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so they do have to cash. So if I'm doing long distance investing, I feel like it definitely has to cash flow at least 12% cash on cash return for, for me, that's important. Um, and then of course I don't invest personally for appreciation. The appreciation is always a plus. Right. I always say it's cherry on top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there's other investors that I've helped for, for example, they're like Diego, like he was an attorney. He was a lawyer and he was like, dude, I just need to park my money. Just let me, mm. I don't care if it cash flows, even if it loses a hundred bucks, I just want to buy in Austin and, uh, or at least in the Austin area. And I right. don't want to see that money until 10 years. So I was like, okay, that's wow. good. Uh, but for me, it has to cash flow. And uh, the best way that makes to invest in Austin is like either getting if, if you're going to be living in the property and living in Austin, definitely house hacking or renting by the room. So for me, um, like finding something around the 1% rule in Austin doesn't exist. So I know I'm not going to look for that. What right. I'm going to look for is going to be more in areas of appreciation, areas where they just built a Starbucks or it's been growing. And yep. that's where I'm buying because that's where I know that, that of where, where it's going. Sometimes they might not have the best schools, but for me, that is okay. There are other people that want to buy more in like A areas or A, A yeah, like A right, minus. Right, lower A returns plus, though. And it's lower returns, yeah. yeah. And those were our, where a lot of people from California are buying because it's right by Apple or, or like it's right by Oracle and they yep, feel it's probably going to appreciate area. whatnot. Yeah. yeah. I always think the, the appreciation standpoint or uh, of looking to invest is very risky because anything could happen in a market that can decline Mm -hmm. the property value rapidly. And if you're in a situation where you're just breaking even as far as cash flow or losing a hundred dollars or making a hundred dollars, and then that property starts to decline in value, it's just, it's a downhill slope. So I I think uh, cash investing for cash flow is definitely most important and appreciation is just uh, icing on the cake. Uh, So you look for a 12% cash on cash return minimum, which I'd say is a a pretty strong return overall. Um, Is there a certain cap rate you're looking to, purchase the property at, or are you not looking at cap rate as much because you're going in with financing? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at cap rate as much. Yeah. Okay. That's a, That's even like personally, like, cause I'm always like, I'm always like honest and with, with everything. That's not a number that I look at as much. I just like more the cash on cash. 
Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously that's the important one cause that's actually how your return is coming about. Yeah. Um, are you looking for a certain dollar amount per door or if it's a single family per room or how does that look? So per room, I would say it has to be in an area that is renting like 500 to 700. Um, I wouldn't go any lower and higher. It just doesn't exist because it all depends like as the, um, it really depends the areas, right? It, you, you have to look at, you have to look at what the one bedroom apartments are renting and okay. price the rooms under that. Oh, that right? makes sense. Cause you, yeah. you want to give someone more of a reason to be with roommates and rent a one bedroom with three other people than to rent a one bedroom themselves. They could split utilities together, internet, exactly. stuff like that. That yeah. makes sense. So that's, so that's why like, I mean like, man, if it rents out for like a thousand a room, great, but that property now it's like $600,000 or $800,000 by UT right? It right. all depends also in your demographic or like the, the location. And that's why it's very important because there's different strategies, right? For some investors, they might oh, want to yeah. invest into like the students in student housing. Um, I'm more of the young millennials um, that have a salary job, let's say. That's where more, that's where people in North Austin and South Austin like to live in. Okay. Now, how are you renting out each room to these people? Do these people know each other? Are you just putting it on Craigslist or wherever you're advertising saying, you know, it's, it's, you're renting out per room, you're living with these strangers? How does that look? Yeah. So a, a lot of the roommates, well, almost all of the roommates have been found through Craigslist. Um, that's been what has worked for, for me. Right now I have one bedroom that's vacant, so I need to f- fill that up. And just through Craigslist, maybe there's like a couple of a couple of groups on Facebook um, that I will post, but usually they will reach out to me. I, I get on a quick call with them or, or I ask them on the phone, um, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I tell them about the house. I tell them something that's very important for me, which is that I'm going to do a background check. And if mm-hmm. there will be any issues either on your credit or on the criminal. And, and I tell them that I do this for everybody because I want to make sure that for the safety of them and for the safety of the roommates, that that's why I do the, yeah, it's very important. The, the, the background check. Yeah. And then I also tell them that the security deposit is 500 bucks. And I usually um, don't, some people tell me, Hey, can I, um, can I pay? Can you split it into four months or three months? And that's when I say, I can't do that right. unless they're moving from the somewhere outside and they're coming with like they're flying in with like they're flying in they have a truck or all that stuff then i give them like okay pay me 250 when you um like when when like once we agree that you're right. going to be a, a roommate and then 250 once you come but i need to have all of it by the time that you move in of course yeah i mean typically someone that's like oh can i pay the security deposit over a three or four month span yeah that's when the issues you know that's when the red flag yeah. comes up you know the issues are starting to arise exactly um, and then so i do that yeah. i do the background check i um and then one of the um one of the other things too is that i i can do a six-month lease or three-month lease if they want to do a year great but um six-month lease is usually what happens and then and then they continue to stay month to month. But I've had tenants that they've been in month to month for about two and a half years now. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so do any of these tenants really know each other or are they all individuals that don't know each other for the most part? They're all individuals that don't know each other, but sometimes they work at the same company. They just okay. didn't know. Because um, <laughs> uh, the company's that big, Apple. 
Yeah, right. Or like for for example, GM, mm-hmm. uh, where where I used to work, I ended up working with two. I ended up living with one or with like two or three people that found me through Craigslist, but that started working at GM. Okay. Um, so it just happens. Now, when you started house hacking, you started living with these people or renting these people that you didn't know. Did you ever feel awkward or weird that you know? It was essentially, you know, these strangers in your home, even though they're paying, but you were living with someone you don't know, sharing a bathroom with someone you don't know. I mean, how did that feel? Yeah, it for, okay. So this is like my personal thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I've always lived, like, even when I went to college, I signed up for the random roommates. So, and it just happened that, so I lived with random roommates when I was in college. Right. And then when I moved to Austin, I decided that I didn't want to rent an apartment because mm-hmm. so I am pretty like in order for me to achieve a level of financial independence, I have to take control of my money and not spend it. Right. So right. Yeah. instead of having an amazing lifestyle and living in living in rainy street here in Austin, I decided to rent out a room in the beginning um, and where my rent was 500 bucks. And I saved the rest, right? But right. That, because I lived that way, um, it was normal for me to be like, okay, I'm already living with roommates. Now I'm going to buy the house instead, live in the master, have a bit more privacy for myself and mm-hmm. continue doing that. So I would say like, I've been living with random roommates, let's say like n- not anymore now, but I've been living with random roommates since 20, when, when did I go to college? Like 2009. Oh, wow. Um, so you've been doing it for, you know, over a decade that you've had this. That like, because I live with roommates like in college, then right. when I moved to Austin and then once I finally started house hacking, which was in 2014, um, that's when, yeah. So it's just like a, a lifestyle and I guess, and, uh, but I focus that I can sacrifice a little bit of my privacy now to reap the rewards for later. And that's something that a lot of people are not willing to do. And that is okay. But then they asked me, Diego, like, how can you do what you're doing? And I'm it's like, because I sacrificed a little bit. That, that for me right. was more important investing for the future rather than the now. Right. You, you live like no one else now, so you can live like no one else later. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before. It's yeah. a financial quote thrown around here and there. Uh, have you ever had any issues with tenants kind of, you know, calling you or texting you saying, hey, this tenant's doing that, or they're leaving the bathroom a mess, they're leaving the kitchen a mess, they're being noisy. Yeah. Do you ever have that go on? Um, I had one where, um, I'll tell you a funny story was it, it, it is funny now. Um, <laughs> it wasn't funny then when it was going it on, wasn't I'm sure. funny then. Um, but there was, um, so we had a lady living in the master bedroom mm-hmm. and then we had somebody else, a guy living in one of the other bedrooms. Ah, and, so, uh, so you mixed men and women, uh, I did. Yes. Okay. I did. <laughs> not any, now it doesn't really work that not, not that it doesn't work that way. Is is just that when the master room was open, mm-hmm. um, some women were okay to live in the master while they had three other guys. Right. But my tenants now they have been living in the master for years. So I've, when, when you tell them, hey, you're going to be sharing a bathroom with two other guys, they'll go, okay, I, I'm, I'm not interested, right? right? And that's okay. But in the past when- But you're upfront and you're honest with them, letting them oh, know that's sure. the case. 100%. And, and if they're okay, sure, I will rent. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem or anything like that with them. Um, so in this case, 
um, she kept on telling me that this one other guy was having very, very loud sex with somebody else. Oh, and when I asked the other roommates if that was true, they said no. Then the guy is like, no, I think she's just jealous. She wants me. And I'm like, okay, dude, <laughs> no, stop. Uh, it ended up happening that his lease was ending or one of their leases was ending like in like two or three weeks. So he moved out and I was like, okay, cool, please. Or like, we just told him, it's like, hey, your lease expires in two weeks. We're not going to renew for you. Just right, so that yeah. you don't have anything. And, uh, and then she was in the army and then a month later, she's like, hey, I'm getting relocated. So we have to terminate the lease. And I was like, dang it. No, wow, no. yeah. So <laughs> were these other guys just kind of covering for him by telling you guys no, or you just don't know what was have, actually happening? I have no idea. I have no idea because by that time I was not living in the property anymore. Uh, okay, so you're just kind of taking yeah. people's word. You, at that point, you had to take people's word to, yeah. to listen about that. Very yeah. interesting. I, I'm surprised you don't get more calls or texts about, oh, such and such is being noisy or the bathroom's left a mess or the kitchen's clean. It's, it's just, it's very foreign to me. Here yeah. I mean, I've, I've had it, I've, I've, I've had it, it happened to me twice that, um, that the rooms were, that the kitchen, that the dishes were out in the kitchen a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've had it once where they were like, Hey Diego, can I buy an extra fridge? Cause there's no space. I was like, sure. So he bought a mini fridge. I gave him 50 bucks, I believe, or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So like, what do you do in a situation like that where, you know, the dishes are there and no one's doing them and they're tenants? Yeah. So I send out, so here's, here's a key, right. Too Mm -hmm. is I, because I live or like I have access because I rent out to roommates. I have access to the common areas. Gotcha. So I can literally go to any house and check. Yeah. Just um, go in the kitchen or whatever because it's common area. Yeah. So one guy told me that, um, like, Hey, the kitchen, like the, the same, like there's, there's been a pan or whatever out for a couple of days. I don't know whose it is. So then I send a text to everybody and like, Hey guys, I was there to check out the mail and, uh, and I found (laughs) this, can you guys please clean it up? And somebody says, yeah, dude, that was mine. I'm sorry. I was like, cool. Just clean it up. Right. So it wasn't like, I'm going to that person. I send it out in a thread with everybody. And then whoever is the person, they will more than likely say Right. So you're not essentially targeting that one person or putting them on the spot. You're really just, you know, making a broad announcement about it. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, So that's a way to like hack those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I was there and I saw this. Um, Yeah. But some, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you're getting good quality roommates, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they will, they will be respectful and stuff. Yeah. Right. I've had a, I had one, one issue because you know how people usually say, I don't want to get those calls at like five oh, in, the yeah. morning or yeah. in the morning. Well, it's been, I've been investing for like since 2014 mm-hmm. and it happened to me once it happened. Uh, I think it was a year and a half ago. I get a call at five in the morning from a tenant and I'm like, crap what is it gonna be right so i answer and he's like hey diego i came downstairs to go for a run and the first floor is flooded in the living room (laughs) area um the water something happened to the water heater so um and the water heater was in the second floor so uh so yeah yeah so that's one of the things maybe don't buy a don't buy a home like a lesson that i learned it wouldn't be a home that i would buy again um, with the hot water tank on the second floor yeah like why just, was like, it there just be aware like no nobody thinks about this right right but now i do 
because I it's learned happened to you, yeah. It happened to me, right? So now when I look at some properties, I may, not that it's not, it's not going to be a deal breaker, but I'm going to pay attention more to the water heater. Um, right, and the location at the of, end of it. The day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, and not only that, but just make sure that I maintain it often. Yeah. Or like half a, half a plumber go there once a year or something. Hey, just check out the water heater for me. Right. Yeah, no, that's, so that's smart. It's not like I'm not going to buy that house. It's just that I'm going to be more, more cautious about it. Right. You're going to be more aware of what's going on. Yeah. There. And, um, and yeah, so I got that call. I got the, the insurance company go out there. They fixed, they did everything. I had to pay the deductible. But other than that, that's been like the, I would say the worst that has happened through my rentals. Okay. Um, yeah. Very good. All right. And where are you finding your deals? Where are you finding your properties? I know you're an agent. So are you looking on the MLS? Are you buying properties off market? How are you finding mm -hmm. these homes that you're purchasing, whether they're the single family house hacks or yeah. the duplex, triplex, the multifamily properties? Yeah. So interestingly enough in Jacksonville is through wholesalers, meaning oh, okay. my, my brother, he's a wholesaler and he's one of the biggest ones now in Jacksonville. Um, if you want to interview him one time, that will be Awesome yeah, we could definitely, I'd, I'd love to have him on, just look yeah, at a different sector is, of it, real estate. Uh, yeah, he's 24 years old and he has a team of 14 employees and wow, good uh, for him. wholesales over 150. This year, they are going to be um, wholesaling over 150 homes. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. They're, he's killing it. That's awesome. Um, good for him. Yeah. So I buy my homes from him in Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. um, in Tennessee, I get them from the MLS or through just um, through people that that we know um, networking yeah <laughs> with the networking um, and then or like off not off market but we've gotten for example we've gotten two we've gotten one for sale by owner and you have to move quick yeah like you have to move quick especially in this market so, yeah like it, it's crazy like with one house this was in in the Smokies we were one of the first ones to put in the contract. Mm -hmm. And then we asked the lady, like this was on a Wednesday. We asked her, hey, I know that you're probably getting multiple offers, but we told her everything that we, like we told her our background and that we're not just, this is not our first deal. Right. Um, we explained to the agent or maybe, yeah, I think, I think it was through the MLS, but basically we explained all of that and we told her, you're probably going to get other offers, but let us, while you're waiting on offers, we'll do the inspection Thursday morning. This way, when you accept our offer, there's no contingencies. We're going to close. Oh, so it's wow. like, holy okay. crap, let's do it. So right, right. we offered a little bit over asking. We gave her that, hey, if you execute our contract tomorrow afternoon, there will be no contingencies. And we went on. Mm. So that's so something you, that, that, that we did. So you do the inspection before you place an offer on the home. So that mm -hmm. way there's no, con mm. no. Okay. So in that case it worked, but usually that's the first case that, that I have worked that, 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 that actually worked, but yeah, that's what we did for that deal. Sorry. Right. You go in with an aggressive offer without a home inspection or without an inspection on the property. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you that way. No, no, you're fine. Yeah. I yeah. just want to make sure I'm getting it right. And that way the listeners yeah. can understand what you're doing. Um, that's a very unique strategy, I guess you could say. I mean, mm -hmm. like you said, you only done it once, but still that one time got you a deal that exactly. made you money down the line. Um, so over in Florida, you said Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. uh, you're getting deals from wholesale, uh, your brother who wholesales properties, which is awesome. And he's doing great. 
Um, and then over in Tennessee, you said? In, well, yeah, in Tennessee, that's where I get it from the MLS. The MLS, okay. And then what about where you are at home? Are you doing MLS majority too because you're an agent yourself so you have a little more access to the MLS? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, MLS here, builders. Um, and it's funny just so I, uh, I'm, I help a bunch of house hackers Mm-hmm. And sometimes because I know the market, like I know, yeah, like I know what I'm doing, right? So right, of course, there's a builder. So for, for example, there was a builder that where I am buying and he let me know because he knows that I do house hacking and stuff. He mm-hmm. sent me a message. He's like, hey, somebody just terminated their contract. The home is going to go on the market. Um, let me know if... Uh, let me know if, if, if you have a buyer or, or, or if you're interested. So imagine that home wasn't marketed to anybody else. Right. It wasn't on the MLS. It wasn't in any, like I was one of the only ones that knew about you it. You exclusively had access to it. Yeah. 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 I sent my buddy out and then he got it. I told him, dude, you have to get this under contract like today or tomorrow. So like you can't come it. back unless that home has a contract on it. <laughs> exactly. And he did it. And, um, so, but what's crazy, he, he says like, wow, like just by knowing me, like the, like the, the, the local expert will say the local house hacker expert, let's say from, from, from that perspective, I was able to get a deal that he probably would not have ever seen it in his life. Um, just because it's a brand new build, it wasn't going to, yeah, all of that. That's why it's so important. I find it so important to basically announce everything that you're doing real estate related. I mean, if you're listing a new house, you're going to put it on Facebook, Instagram, so everyone can see it. If you close on a house, you're going to put it on Facebook, Instagram, so everyone can see it. If you're even doing a final walkthrough or you're working with a client or you're doing work, that's why I think it's so important. And I really hope I don't bother people too much or I know I feel too much on social Mm -hmm. media, but it's important to, you know, announce that stuff to the world that that's what you're doing. So that way when someone first thinks real estate or there's a property available or who do I go to to get a property, they're going to think of you immediately. They're going to think, oh, Diego, I saw him. He did that on his Instagram. That's so cool. I didn't know he did that. I'm going to go talk to him and it generates a deal for you. Yeah. And it's crazy because like I share like on Instagram, right? I'm sharing my story too. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, I do real estate, but I'm also sharing like my path to financial independence and uh, and me helping others. Like just today or just today, I've gotten two messages from people on Instagram. They're like, Diego, just wanted to shoot a message to you that you, you inspire me. I heard you on Bigger Pockets or I heard you on this podcast. Thank you so much. And I'm like, right. holy crap. Like that is, that is like, it is what it is. Like I share it and then it does inspire other people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it feels good to, too to know that you're helping out other people or maybe someone else that's coming in from out of the country, just like you were, that they were in your shoes at one point and they yeah. could say, oh, if this guy's done it, I, I can do it. You know, exactly. he, you're setting up the blueprints for it. So that's very important. That's awesome. And that's why I love following so many different investors because I like seeing what other investors are doing. And I can also kind of keep an eye on different markets. Exactly. I can see what's going on in the different markets because every market is very, very different. Yeah. Um, what, what real estate specific tools are you using or do you find most helpful uh, as far as like managing your properties or do it tenant screenings or yeah. a- accounting? What do you use? So there's two for tenant screening and some management, MySmartMove and Cozy.co. That's uh, yes. what, um, Cozy.co has been great, but I think MySmartMove does a better job on seeing the visuals of the tenant screening. Okay. Um, but Cozy.co has worked out great. 
Yep. And um, yeah, those are the two tools I would say. Okay. Do you use anything to manage the properties or do you also use Cozy to manage your properties too? Because I know Cozy, you can do a little bit of management on there. Yeah. Well, due to the fact, so in, I, right now in Austin, I have two properties um, and those are the ones that I'm renting by the room. So I just rent them like, so I manage them myself without Cozy. Um, but the ones in Florida, I have a property management company that does the work. And then the one in the, with the Airbnbs, my mm -hmm. partner does the management. Right. And a lot of that management is on Airbnb, which is nice because I do a few Airbnbs as well. Oh, cool. I, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool. It's very helpful. And I can definitely take you know, a unit and almost double what the rent would be for that month. So I, yeah. that's why I find Airbnb very cool. And you, you get to meet different people, which is nice as well. Um, where do you advertise your properties? I know you said Craigslist is a big one that you advertise on. Is there anywhere else that you're advertising as far as the full units or even the bedrooms itself? Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm renting the full unit, it's going to be on the MLS and the MLS will syndicate it to Zillow and everything else. Okay, yeah. Um, but if it's on the, um, but if it's on the um, what is it called? Uh, on by the rooms, then I do it on then I do it on Craigslist and Facebook. I would say there's other okay, apps like, like Roomster and but I I I didn't get I couldn't get good roommates with that one. Gotcha. Okay, so when you put it on the MLS, because that's something I actually have debated on doing with my units. I've never actually put them on the MLS. Mm -hmm. I, do you have other agents that show the property and you have to pay a, a brokerage or a, a fee too? Or is it really you just put on the MLS so that way it shotguns it out everywhere else and you can control it easier? Um, no, at that point I bring it. I do it so that if another tenant can, if another agent can bring me a tenant, I would prefer that a lot more. I'll pay the the fee or whatever because it just frees up my my time. Right. I uh, I'm being more like right now and because of the mentors that I have and everything, I understand how important time is and. Um, so that's a little bit more more important for for me than having to show the property myself to five or six other people if a right. tenant can come on day one hey here's a great tenant i'm like cool perfect yeah it does the hard part for you so it's totally yeah. worth paying the fee um yeah. now i know you felipe and i believe a few other individuals have a, a mentorship program correct yeah. me if i'm wrong there do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah for sure so uh felipe and i and felipe was featured on bigger pockets episode 329 Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the new rookie podcast host for BP as well, which is awesome. Yep. I had, I had Ashley in last week. She, okay. her episode got released and then I have him, his episodes getting released in two days, which when this gets recorded, it'll already be released. Cool. But yeah, it's really cool. How he's doing that podcast. Yeah. So, so, um, we connected through Instagram, Felipe and I, and, um, and so what we decided to create, because we had so many people reach out to us that, Hey, I want to, I want to get started. I love your story. How can I learn more? Mm -hmm. I was like, I wouldn't be able to just like, I would be on Instagram all day answering questions. Just talking to the individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So what we did instead is we basically offered up a 90 day program where we do weekly accountability on helping people get their first property or at least grow to four doors, right? Because that's okay. something that between Felipe and I, we feel very comfortable doing. We like I own 15 doors right now. At some point I had 20 doors. Um, so helping somebody getting from the first to their fourth, it's, it's totally doable. So right. we've created that mastermind program. It's called the Rat Race to FI. That's the brand. But then the mastermind 
um, it has 20 or 30 modules of, of, um, of content and videos that walk you step by step. And then, um, and then we have the weekly Zoom calls, just like we're doing this one. Um, imagine like this with like 20 people and yeah, I saw the screen <laughs> and doing all of that stuff. It's really cool. It's really cool because I'm a big believer in like the power of the mastermind group because you right. get to learn from other people's questions. Yeah. Uh, or you're like, oh, I didn't even know about that. And then the next, in the next property, you may face that thing and now you have the answer without even being aware that you will need that in the future. Um, so, so that's what we've created and we actually are launching in March our next unit. So we're super excited about that. We just, um, we helped, uh, right now we have in our first unit, we have 22 people. And what's funny is that guy that I was telling you earlier, that's buying a house hack through the builder because I connected him or whatever. He's mm -hmm. in that mastermind group and he reached gotcha. out through, okay. through, through Instagram too. So it's just funny how the world work it's, it's itself out. Um, that, um, that he, that through him reaching out to me, he's buying out his first house hack. He's in the mastermind group and uh, he's an agent and two, and he just joined my team. So small. Oh, small that's cool. Okay. That yeah. 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 So it's cool. We're very excited. And at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in helping people just like other, other of my mentors have helped me. Mm -hmm. And this is a way that we can give back. Nice. Awesome. And that, that's what I love about you is you have heart in this. And that's mm -hmm. the type of people I want on the show is people who aren't just in it for the money. Yes, of course, we're, we're doing it because there's an income there for us and it's mm -hmm. more of a passive route, but also the people who have heart in this and actually want to let people learn from them. And that's, again, why I started the podcast so people can learn from, I don't want to say yeah. the professionals, but the experienced investors. For sure. Um, for sure. With that said, uh, do you have any, just because we're going to start to bring this to an end here, yeah. um, do you have any advice for new investors or someone that's currently investing but looking to yeah. scale a little bit quicker? Yeah, for sure. So for the newbie investor, I would say definitely don't focus on getting your, like getting your home run right in the first deal. Make mm -hmm. sure that you just start batting and get to first base. Because yeah. once you get to first base, you will get some experience. You'll get to know the right people. You'll build your team. And then by the time that you can get to base two, base three, now that's when you're getting your home runs. But a lot of people don't do that because they, they really want to get their home run and then they get stuck in analysis paralysis. So yeah, that's and why- you could be stuck pretty bad there. <laughs> exactly. And then they don't take action. And they're like, oh, I wish I pulled the trigger. And I'm like, well, stop wishing and just doing it. And yeah. It's funny enough, but like I have, um, there's been a few people here that I've, that they reached out to me and then they want a house hack. I tell them, Hey, this is a great deal. They're like, okay, I'm going to wait till next year. Or like, I really don't want to buy right now. And I'm like, at least I gave you the tools. It was just, you have analysis paralysis. Yep. And, um, but now they're saying, Oh Diego, I wish I would have done that. Right. So instead of wishing you did, I would say, just do it. So that will be for, um, for the newbie investors. And I guess for somebody that's, that they're looking to continue to grow their business, it's super important to work with the right group of people with, yeah, the, the, right, right um, with the right team, whether it is the right lender or hard money lender or wholesaler, investor friendly realtor, property manager, even your CPA is super important. Yeah. Um, so I would say definitely take that into consideration. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, because I was at this point where month after month, you know, I was just analyzing deals and I, I wasn't really doing anything. And I told myself, uh, you know, one property came up that I thought was really good. It was off market. 
and there was another investor who was just really moving his portfolio to a different area, a different style as well. And I, I told myself, I was like, if, if I don't buy this property, I'm never going to get started. That's like, yeah, I need to do exactly. something proactive that's going to get the ball rolling. If I never move the ball, it's never going to start moving. It's never going to gain that momentum and start going. Um, exactly. So I definitely think yeah. that's huge. And to touch base again on, on team, that is extremely important as well. If you have an attorney that you're using that doesn't specialize in real estate, a different type of attorney, that's not going to help you out because they're not going to know what to do in certain situations. And CPA, again, that's huge as well because there's so many, the tax code is very large, it's very long. Mm -hmm. And a CPA, a good CPA should know where in the tax code you can apply benefits, deductions, write-offs that will help grow your business quicker and keep more money in your pocket at the end of the day, at the end of the year is yeah. what it comes down to. For um, sure. So that's huge. Uh, with, again, that looking for that newbie investor who's looking to move forward a little bit more yeah. or someone that's looking to scale, uh, any favorite books you have that you really enjoy reading or that you would recommend to someone? Um, I, I see you yeah. got a bunch of them back there behind you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, I have here like the house hacking one. I have the, the, um, the one on long distance investing too. Um, I would say depending on what your strategy is, I mean, the book that changed my life a little bit more on the mindset was Rich Dad Poor Dad, Think and Grow yep. Rich. A few that had more like um, more actionable steps, I would say anything on BP would be great. Um, yeah, I would say I would say those those books. Um, okay. The E Myth is a great book too by Michael Gerber, Michael Gerber or some something like that. That book uh, made a huge impact in my realtor. Um, system and team and business. Awesome. That's great. And uh, what's the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome throughout this entire real estate investing career? God dang. Um, <laughs> so dude, in the beginning, I mean, it's been overcoming. So at 16, I found that I couldn't drive at, because of my status. Right. At 18, I found out that I couldn't um, that I couldn't qualify for any student loans. I couldn't qualify for financial wow. aid. At eight, I ended up going to college anyway, mm -hmm. trying to figure out the first semester that I had enough money there, but I won scholarships and they pulled it back because I didn't have a green card. Wow. Um, I, even though I graduated first and I graduated third in my high school class, um, they said, hey, we cannot help you. Like, no. So I was like, okay, so then That's I'm going to go find a job and I found out too at age 18 or 19 that I couldn't work legally. So I'm like, mm. okay, what the heck am I going to do? Yeah. What um, am I doing here? <laughs> right? What am I doing here? I, I did everything that my parents, that my counselors were saying, hey, just go to school, like get good grades. And that's what I did. And then I faced all these obstacles. I found out that I could open up my own LLC, even though I was undocumented. And I began working as an IT contractor. So I was wow, riding okay. my bike to business to appointments. I was riding my bike in the heat and everything uh, with like a suit in my backpack and uh, <laughs> with, with a towel, riding to the business, changing in the back, like drying off and going for the appointment. Um, and then it wasn't, an, I, so I began driving and working for the first time when I was 22 years old. And by age 23, I bought my first property. So nice. it's like, it's like, I started from zero. So all these like obstacles or circumstances, I have the mindset that if the door of opportunity is closed, I go through the window, but that is because of the, the, 
like the example that my parents set for me on the work ethic, on being resourceful and knowing that the United States, it's a land of opportunity, but it is up to us to find it. So with that that mindset, yeah, uh, with that mindset, I just knew that when freaking when like five or 10 lenders told me that I couldn't buy a home here in Austin in the beginning, um, I told my dad and I was like, I was like crying. I was like, I really wanted to build my portfolio. I read Rich Dad Poor that I want to own 10 homes by 35. Like that was my goal. Now I'm 29 and I own 15 doors, right? So yeah, there you go. (laughs) But, um, but not by me being persistent and being resourceful to my goals and knowing that there was a way I just needed to find that how um, I was going to be able to make it happen. So yes, obstacles, I definitely had them. I even have them till now. Um, like there was, yeah, I mean, we can go into all these. <laughs> right. That could be a whole nother episode to go into all that. Um, right. But um, it's just a matter of finding the right opportunity. And that's when in me telling my dad what I wanted to do and my goals, um, he's like, all right, Diego, let's find a property in Florida. If you have the cash, we can buy a home cash. If that's the only way that you find that we can buy a home. Um, so I partnered up with him at that point. I couldn't find, uh, I, I had to convince two of my friends to, that I can show them how to invest in real estate and all this stuff and bought properties there. So circumstances are there, but it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. I have, a, I have, a, I'm a big believer that your goals have to be stronger than your circumstances. Oh, that's great. So for anyone that's listening and they say they can't get started, they're having trouble getting started. Uh, you'd be nuts to say that after listening to Diego's, you know, just a little <laughs> snippet of what you had to deal with, you know, coming over here when you were young, being 16, not being able to drive, 18, not be able to get student loans, and not even be able to get a mortgage. Um, most people, or I'm going to say 99% of people that are listening to this, have their license, was able to get it when they were 16, had student loans or something. Uh, don't use that as an excuse because you overcame some ginormous hurdles, and that's awesome, and I, I definitely salute you for that. So Thank you. Um, Diego, where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you uh, if they have questions or just want to you know, learn more yeah. from you? Yeah, Instagram, man, that's been amazing. Uh, Real is at Real Diego Corzo. And they can also send, they can reach out on ratrace2fi.com. They can send out me and they can send me an email there. Awesome. All right. Perfect. Well, Diego, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show this evening. I really appreciate you and I really appreciate all the value you brought to the episode. Perfect. Thank you very much, Dante. Not a problem. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.